0: Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Sponsored by Paul Middleton Forge Group. We're always glad to have them as our sponsor. And we have got a very interesting show today. We're going to be talking with Norbert Orr, who's our senior international correspondent. He tracks some eight... Uh, surveys around the country, very similar to the ISM report that we come out with on the first working day of the month. And he also tracks regional surveys, so we'll get an update from him in a minute. But before we get to Norbert, Lou, how is uh, life in New Jersey, and what's the excitement on the uh, tariff front?
1: On the what front? The, t- the tariff front. The tariff. Uh, well... The new new tariff law that came out that I uh, sat by the pool this weekend uh, reading all 208 pages uh, was very dry reading, um, which goes into effect the end of August, seems as though the government did a a little clean up on their harmonized codes and closed loopholes. Uh, But we'll see what happens, as the man says. Uh, Other than that, uh, my life is good. Yours?
0: Good, good. Things are going well. And just to uh, give you a little more of Lou's golden voice, uh, let's hear a little bit more about All Metals and Forge
1: Group. Hi, this is Lou Weiss. Some of you know me as Lou Weiss with the Yellow Jacket. But today I'm president of All Metals and Forge Group. We are proud and pleased to be the sponsors for Manufacturing Talk Radio and for WAM, Women and Manufacturing, since 2013. AMFG is an open die forge facility and a producer of seamless rolled rings since 1972. Most of the metal families are available in our inventory for production to help keep down delivery times due to mill deliveries of raw stock. We also specialize in machined, large, and complex forged parts. So give us a look at steelforge.com, our website, or give us a call at 973 973- two seven six five thousand send us your inquiries your drawings and specifications our coding turnaround time is usually less than 24 hours to help you get your job from your client give us a try we're almost doing this 50 years of partnering with our clients we'd like to partner with you as well thanks for listening
0: and we're back lou uh, a wonderful commercial from all metals and Forge group our
1: sponsor I'm really impressed with that. I think I did just a great job. So when you call in, (laughs) call and ask for me, Lou.
0: That's right. (laughs) So Norbert Orr is our guest. He is our senior international correspondent for Global Surveys. He also works with Strategus Research Partners and puts together a very in-depth report by the way, if you want to participate in their SLIM survey, which is uh, for manufacturers, and you're a manufacturer, that uh, survey is uh, open every month for those manufacturers who participate. And they get a copy of both the global survey report and the SLIM report for free, which are normally pretty pricey documents. So, you know, you answer two uh, very simple questions And you get two great reports of it Norbert, welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio
2: Okay, thanks Tim Great to be with you
0: So, the global report is out How are things looking?
2: Well uh, This month is so unique That I had to coin a new word Uh oh To describe it And it's a, a combination of two words uh, Of tariff is one of the words, and terrific is the other word. And that combines into terrific. And so I'm going to see if I can't copyright that as (laughs) a a way of describing the overall economy. On one hand, we have the tariffs that uh, nobody really seems to be able to estimate the true impact of, and then uh, the other side, we have a, a U.S. economy that is just terrific right now, and uh, nobody wants to see that uh, uh, jettisoned uh, anytime soon. While we have uh, such a strong growth, such a strong growth pattern in the U.S. economy, uh, so I'm uh, pleased to announce that we're, we'll thinking in terms of what's terrific uh, going forward. Uh, If we look at the... I was going
1: to say it's a terrific word, and we're going to probably wind up using it, giving you credit for it with a trademark on it.
2: There you go. (laughs) Um, But it really is terrific in the United States. The rest of the world is doing fine, but uh, not what we're doing. But then again, they didn't have the tax package that we have. They didn't have uh, all of the deregulation that we've, uh, we've experienced and so on. Uh, and they don't have the optimism about the future that I think uh, Americans do uh, and uh, the amount of capital that's, that is being invested and will be invested. Uh, and, you know, ultimately I see the tariffs as being something that uh, uh, they will work through uh, obviously, right now, if you look at where the Chinese economy is versus where the U.S. economy is, uh, we can have a lot more patience. Uh, uh, my concern is, uh, there, uh, will we have more patience than the Chinese? Even though we have a better, a superior position, we may not have more patience than uh, than what they have with us. Um, going forward, we have to resolve the issues around intellectual property in particular. Uh, we have to resolve the issues around uh, what, uh, how, how much of an American company a Chinese firm can own and vice versa. Uh, those, those are key issues going forward into um, uh, the next decade in particular when China has plans to, to try to economically rule the world. Uh, I don't think they can do it, uh, but uh, uh, that's certainly what the, the vision is at this point in time. So if we look at uh, what's terrific, uh, the uh, non-manufacturing sector is great. In the manufacturing, Let me touch on manufacturing first. We have a, a manufacturing sector that uh, for the first half of the year, The index, and remember, when we talk about indexes, anything above 50 is uh, positive. The higher above 50 it is, uh, the more separation, the more positive it is. For the first half of this year, we had 59.2 average, uh, which is an extraordinary feat in itself. Uh, To put it in comparison, for the last eight, consecutive quarters, the PMI has averaged 56. If we go back and look at the six quarters in front of that, the PMI averaged only 51. And remember that it not only averaged 51, but we were told uh, by certain parties that uh, we the, the good times were over, the great and glory days of American manufacturing was gone. Uh, we we uh, no longer uh, could count on the manufacturing sector and the services sector to uh, uh, create the kind of jobs that people were interested in. Uh, so. Uh, we've turned that all around and shown that we can really do that. So uh, I think that that's a, a critical, uh, a critical accomplishment as far as the U.S. is concerned. Well, well, well
1: cert- certainly, yeah. It's, uh, we certainly see it here at All Meadows and Forge Group.
2: Uh, the 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 economy,
1: our economy, is uh, tracking right along with the. Uh, materials industry metals in particular um, because of the tariffs of course uh, u.s. steel prices have gone up considerably uh, and come this August the the tariffs are going up again uh, on steel and I suspect that the steel industry will do what it does Uh, it'll raise its prices and uh, I I think in the long run though uh, Norbert, and I, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, this constant increasing of prices somewhere along the line people are going to s- stop or slow down on purchasing which uh, will wind up in the same place where most tariff
2: wars wind up. Uh, do you have uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely the case. You know, uh, one of the charts that I plot each month is looking at uh, supplier deliveries uh on, on one axis and prices on the other. And it shows mm-hmm. that as long as delivery times are extending, there's pricing power, but we always get to the point where uh, uh, lead times quit extending because people trade off uh, where they're using one product and uh, you know, the, the classic instance that I like to think about is is uh, in uh, high-rise construction, the difference between a concrete building and a steel building for a high-rise construction. Uh, mm-hmm. At a point, uh, if uh, steel gets to a certain level at a point, uh, architects, contractors, etc., will begin to build all concrete buildings as opposed to steel buildings. And so the demand falls off significantly because you get the trade-off and uh, they eventually. It's basic fundamental supply and demand working the way it's supposed to work. And uh, I think we see that in other products. that, uh, You know, in housing construction, we see uh, hardy plank used instead of uh, brick. Uh, we see the changes made and how... Uh, Uh, how the designs are made in order to eliminate certain materials. So uh, it's a problem that solves itself over the long term. Over the short term, it's, you know, it's another issue. I think there's a lot of confusion. I was reading, uh, uh, for instance, in Taiwan, they they were saying that, uh, you know, they're a big exporter of hot rolled steel, but they felt like uh, they could focus on markets other than the U.S. If uh, if they were forced out of the U.S. market um, for because of restrictions or whatever, so they weren't weren't planning to be injured at all by the uh, uh, by the circumstances of, of the tariffs.
0: Uh, Norbert, uh, yes. you mentioned just briefly and I want to share it with our listeners. I know Lou has read the book. The, the uh, secret strategy, China's secret strategy to replace America as the global superpower is a book by Michael Pillsbury. He's the director of the Center on Chinese Strategy for the Hudson Institute. The name of the book is The 100-Year Marathon. And Lou, I know you've read
1: that book. I, I did read that book, and I, again, I tend to read that kind of horrifying stuff when I'm supposed to be relaxing. I was on the Cape, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, on the beach reading this book, which took me three days, and that was three days that I didn't sleep. Uh, this was uh, <laughs> written by a gentleman who's been involved in uh, government and strategy and CIA and so on and so forth, uh, and it's an amazing story. And if you do happen to read it, you will see what it is they are doing. It's all there in the book. So I highly recommend it. If you so want to
0: listen yeah. Yeah, right, to lose some sleep. China, uh, Norbert, how is China doing in terms of the strength of their economy? We obviously don't know how well their 100 year marathon is working, but it's probably working.
2: Right. When we look at the China surveys on manufacturing itself, there's really not a lot of change that takes place. Uh, uh, That worries me. Uh, I look for volatility. I learn more from volatility in these indexes than I do Mm -hmm. in in, uh, one that maintains the status quo, which is what both of the China surveys have done. So uh, I, uh, I, I include them in our analysis and so on, but uh, I, I fear it's not as great. The, the one thing I keep relying on, uh, in, order to, in order to do what China thinks they can do, they have to leave communism behind. They'll never, in a communist environment, in my opinion, uh, and uh, this really came to me. I was speaking at the Central University of Finance and Economics in Beijing. I had 200 students in the room. And it became very obvious to me that uh, China, as, uh, I had, uh, the, the professor that sponsored me being there when it was over, I said I was so appreciative of The the uh, head of the university had come to hear my lecture, which was the president of the university. And very quickly she, told, she said, though the head of the university is uh, not the president, the head of the university is the Communist Party member. And as long as you <laughs> put that umbra- you put that umbrella over top of all these things, uh, they can talk about what they think they can do in terms of growth, but they can't do it. Uh, and they, it takes a, a free, economic, open uh, economy uh, to do that, and an economy where people can trust the other party. And the Chinese are showing consistently that. Uh, they're very difficult to trust. Uh, when they say something and uh, how they execute it, uh, you know, the, the, the basis of a Chinese contract is that if things change tomorrow, then we both should change with it and we both should recognize the change. And so I uh, think contracts are, are not as firm as we consider them to be in the U.S. or in Europe. And to
1: your point, uh, Norbert, uh, I, I agree with
2: almost everything you
1: said there. Uh, but there is uh, an interesting um, aspect, which uh, I, I was there in China multiple times, and I was, went to a manufacturing company. They had about five, 600 employees, and we all went out in an entourage out for lunch, and uh, there's 10, 12 of us around the table. And I made a comment. In, in the course of a conversation with the chairman of the company uh, about them being capitalists. Now, we just had gone through a whole conversation of his expansion and his growth and all the things he's doing, and I'm saying to myself, this guy is a, an entrepreneur. He is a capitalist. And, uh, you know, there's somebody upstairs watching him, but he's pretty much got full run. He's a private driver, a private car, and when I referred to him as a capitalist, he was insulted. They don't—they don't understand themselves what capitalism is and what it is that they're doing. They think that what they are doing is communism, and it's really capitalistic. So it was kind of an interesting uh, uh, point that uh, I discovered that they—they they don't know that they're capitalists. They think they're well, communists
2: and and the the operative word is profit correct that uh, and where does if, that come from if they yeah that uh it only comes from uh investment over the long term and uh they just don't uh they don't have a good sense of, of what that's all about how to control expenses uh um, so I, we'll see. And they're going to learn. They're going to get better at it and um, have some breakthrough thinking on doing those things. But for right now, uh, we have an opportunity to uh, make a step change in our own economy uh, that, uh, that will help us do better over the long haul.
1: Well, like I said earlier, I strongly suggest reading the 100-Year Marathon. It's all there. I'm sure Mr. Tilsbury
2: appreciates that plug, Lou.
1: I'm sure he does. He's going to send me my check to the usual (laughs) PO box.
0: (laughs) Yeah, actually, we're going to ask him to join us on the show and talk about that. Uh, Norbert, how is, you know, we're hearing a lot right now about Brexit, Um, and I know that there's some... Uh, A soft Brexit, a hard Brexit. Trump is pushing for a hard Brexit to do trade with Britain. Britain is pushing for a soft Brexit. Uh, Is that beginning to make things in manufacturing a bit queasy for both the EU and the UK? Uh,
2: I I think the UK uh, has to decide what it wants to be when it grows up. Uh, (laughs) Does it does it want to maintain itself as an appendage of the European Union, or does it want to independently pursue its future? Uh, I think uh, the latter is where uh, they they should be. I'm just not sure that when they get through playing games with the, the people in Brussels, that that's where they'll they'll wind up. I assume uh, so. The soft Brexit may be where, uh, where they find uh, a happy medium with that. Uh, a lot of it depends on uh, the, the whole immigration issue and what they can accept. Uh, if they're willing to accept uh, Brussels being in the middle of their immigration program and so on, then I, I think uh, they get the soft Brexit. If they're not willing to accept that, then I think they get the hard Brexit. Uh, uh, so I, I really I think it revolves around the the whole immigration issue.
0: Okay, and I think Trump is pushing for the hard Brexit. Is that right? I mean, at least that's what we've yeah, been he, hearing.
2: It, you know, the way he sees the world, uh, they should be uh, concerned with their own destiny and in control of their own destiny. And, uh, you know, uh, we've often talked about the fact that the the best thing that happened was that the UK uh, maintained its currency. And so it's much easier for them to talk about separation than it is the other uh, countries where they don't have the independence of their own currency, and, and therefore they're relying upon a different exit strategy than what the UK's path has been.
0: Okay. So how is the EU doing in terms of its manufacturing overall? It seems like we're doing terrific. Are they doing equally terrific?
2: Well, we're trending upward in general, uh, and they're trending lower. In uh, this month, the UK came in at 54.4, and that's the same as last month, and... Uh, it uh you know it's been expansionary for twenty three months, so there, there's some positives associated with the trend is slower uh growth uh w- within the u k because we're getting closer and uh you know uh people are starting to talk about the uh the degree of risk uh, that's associated with uh with the brexit and so on so uh it's slowing down you know their economy. Uh, Even more importantly, the eurozone itself, uh, it's uh, unwinding from December of 2017 when it hit a peak of 60.6. This month, the eurozone is at 54.9. So that's still a reasonably decent rate of growth, but it's not the aggressive growth that we're experiencing in the U.S., uh, and it's certainly not the experienced growth that – the, the growth that we're, we're, uh, we think we're capable of repeating, uh, theirs is more on a downward trend line.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Well, I don't know that I've heard the official second quarter GDP number. I know that the Atlanta Fed was talking something that might have been north of 4. I don't know if that's where it finished uh, and I haven't I've, heard a report on it yet. Have you? Has anybody? Uh, I,
2: I, uh, you know, the I have. The, i have subscribed to the Atlanta Fed's website, and uh, every day or two uh, they revise and so on. But it's mo- it's mostly right around the four uh, percent uh, mark, and uh, it may be a little less, maybe a little bit more. Uh, the the fact is, it's not two. And uh, yeah, right. that's where we, that's, that's where we would have hopefully been uh, had we had uh, an alternative uh, outcome of our election. So uh, I think uh, we we still can see some numbers north of four um, percent. I they just can't take uh, forever to determine the tariff issue. They've got to, to dig in. Uh, President Trump said he had uh, some countries that were already, you know, we've already made a deal with South Korea. Uh, I would see uh, that they've got to start to, to uh, close some deals with some other countries on bilateral agreements.
0: Yes, I know. Well, South Korea is with you uh, and- I know when we met up with you, just a second, Lou, uh, at the ISM conference in May of 2018, you thought that uh, this was all a negotiating ploy, but you're right. If they take too much longer, it's going to be an economic bloody nose for the U.S., I think.
2: It depends on the industry, as you well know, Lou. Uh, Yes, sure. You know, when we talk about tariffs in the aluminum industry, uh, I haven't dug deeply into it, but... uh, uh, when they talk about uh, Section 232, defense mechanisms, and, and you talk about the aluminum industry, uh, you know, uh, we're talking about aircraft quality aluminum. Do we maintain the ability to produce aircraft quality aluminum? If not, then we're going to be dependent upon other countries. And we see this uh, really right before our eyes with what's going on in my mind, uh, with, uh, NATO and, uh, you know, Trump went to NATO and brought up the, 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 whole discussion around, uh, Germany buying natural gas from Russia and what the implication of that was. And, uh, everybody else was missing that. And, uh, Trump was the guy that said, wait a minute, you can't let your, uh, your 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 major enemy also be your your major supplier, and you're funding <laughs> uh, their war in Syria and other uh, places around the globe. You know the Russian economy left itself cannot afford to fund all of these uh, different different uh, political situations that the Russians are involved in, uh, and nobody else looked at that and, and said. Uh, uh, we can't go in that direction. So, I think the same thing happens on, uh, uh, you know, I'm, steel. I'm not sure it's as uh, there's some some types of steel that would be affected. Hot rolled, cold rolled certainly wouldn't be in the in the mix. Uh, but uh, aircraft quality aluminum, I know that's something uh, we, we've got a new contract for the F-35 fighter. Uh, that, that needs to be made with aluminum produced by American sources and make sure we maintain that defense capability.
1: Well, that's one of the... Uh, we buy a lot of uh, aluminum from Canada, and I, I think that's where he's uh, employing the uh, national defense issue on Canadian aluminum. Uh, that that being said... Uh, I, I Personally, I think that this, can if it continues on this route, and as you said, if it continues too long, it's going to hurt everyone. It's absolutely going to hurt everyone. I hear projections of a four percent unemployment within the next year, uh, which was worse than the 270 unemployment when Bush did the steel tariffs, uh, and of course, at that time, we only had 175 steel workers. Uh, so we were protecting. We were losing more jobs than we were protecting. So, uh, and, and just one other point with regards to the oil that is being uh, purchased by Germany from Russia, I think the number that I'm hearing is only nine or eleven percent. So this was uh, a bit of an exaggeration that Mr. President uh, Trump uh, tends to do. Uh, so it's it's not they're not being controlled by Russia. Uh, in regard in regards to their oil and energy, and um, you know we 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 listen to this stuff and we wind up reacting and responding to it badly.
2: Uh, agreed. Jim? And uh, yeah. the, um, uh, the the truth will come out at some point to, sure. to, to what the level is, uh, and uh, you know when we look at the amount of damage. Right now, it really hasn't done the damage. Uh, they may have started some tariffs in place, and they may have affected this month. But, again, uh, the same thing happens with uh, that I mentioned with, with, when deliveries extend. Uh, if you create scarcity, people start to look for other products. They start to look to other places. Uh, they, they act in their own best, uh, best behavior. Uh, to try to make sure that uh, their needs are covered and the needs of their business and supply chain are covered. And, uh, Norbert,
0: uh, why don't you just give our listeners a kind of a wrap-up of your report, and we'll finish up our segment with you.
2: Okay, glad to. Uh, You know, we look at 18 surveys. we focused mostly on uh, my my new word, terrific, uh, this month, uh... And all of them are, are hit with that, uh, with some impact from it. Uh, but in general, uh, growth globally, uh, with the exception of South Korea and Brazil, and and they've, those two countries have created their own problems. Mostly, uh, the other 16 countries are all growing at a, a reasonable rate uh, overall, uh, with the exception of China uh... China's still down in the fifty one to fifty two range. Everybody else is fifty two and above. and looking at um, uh, JP Morgan Global Index is up, but but the trend is definitely slowing, uh, which it uh, should to a degree unless it gets a, uh, a shot in the arm from uh, getting through this tariff issue. Uh, You know, businesses try to measure risk in a lot of different ways. The tariffs uh, make it difficult to measure the final impact of uh, risk uh, that they're accepting in the business. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see how we react. Hopefully next month when we talk, we won't be talking about terrific anymore.
0: We appreciate that. I find it interesting that there seems to be a slowing trend, and we'll keep an eye on that as we talk to you uh, a month from now. And, Norbert, again, thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio.
2: Okay. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Bye for now.
0: And we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who is our senior international correspondent, who covers 18 international surveys that check uh, the purchasing manager's index measures, that the ISM uh, methodology uses to generate their own number here for the U.S. and also several regional surveys that Strategus Research Partners, who Norbert Orr is with, uh, also checks. We appreciate you listening. And before we close out the show, I just want to give you an update on an event that's happening out in San Diego with the AME. So,
1: Excellent. It's what separates good companies from average ones. This year's theme for the AME International Conference in San Diego is Create Waves of Excellence. Gain insights from keynote speakers, including innovation expert Jeremy Gucci, former NFL quarterback Joe Theismann, lean author and researcher Mike Rother, and leadership pro Liz Weissman. Witness operational excellence in person at plant tours from San Diego's diverse, innovative manufacturing community. Don't miss the opportunity to accelerate your journey toward excellence this fall in San Diego. Visit ame.org slash San Diego for more information and to register. We look forward to seeing you in San Diego. And
0: that is October 29 through November 2. If you want to check the website ame.org, you can get more information on that. We appreciate all of you listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio, whether you do it live or you listen and download one of our podcasts through one of the many streams that we have it attached to, or go to mfgtalkradio.com directly to hear any of our shows, or link over to our sister broadcast, which is Women in Manufacturing, that can be found at womenandmfg.com. Again, thanks for listening today. Thanks for joining us on
1: Manufacturing Talk Talk Radio. Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com.